Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And today is the Thursday Collective, the cool new format we're doing where anything could happen. And uh, one of the topics we're going to be touching upon is something that's been on a lot of our minds with the passing of Bob Saget. You know, how can I improve myself? How can I live the life that Bob and Danny Tanner exemplified? Uh, we got, a, I mean, we got, you could, you could say we got a, a, this is a full house episode with all the people here. So, uh, you know, uh, quickly, let me run through. We got uh, Mark Pellegrino, a guy who I hope to someday see play Joey Gladstone in the dark, badass reboot of Full House. How you doing, Mark? Hey, man. Um, should I be going through everyone or should I just hand it over to Don? Don, why don't you take over? Don Watkins, the guy who I think could someday play Danny Tanner himself or Jesse. Thanks. You've never seen me act. Thanks, Raka. We also have Nikos, Amanda Maxim. And uh, for those of you who don't know, a good friend of mine, Daniel Richards, uh, well, rather than shower you with praise, Daniel, I'll just say that uh, I'm excited to have you on. Let everybody know a little bit about yourself, though. Thanks, Don. Happy to be here. Great to talk with you all. My name is Daniel T. Richards. Don't forget the T for trying to Google me. Otherwise, you're going to find some funky results. Uh, I'm uh, the co-founder and COO for a new company named Return on Ideas. We basically do digital strategy and content creation for anyone who wants to accelerate ideas that free minds. So primarily we work with think tanks, nonprofits, thought leaders, et cetera. I live in the DC area, unfortunately, for the time being, and enjoy a good bourbon neat. I think that covers all the important yeah. stuff, Don. Yeah, I met Daniel working at the Iron Institute way back in the day and uh we we both shared a passion for effective communication and persuasion. So you you think that I know anything about it? I think Daniel in, in his world knows uh, twice as much. So super excited to have you on. So um, I wanted to talk about I've I've had a longstanding interest in the self help genre, but that's waned over like the past five or six years because I just found it all pretty derivative, pretty shallow. But I was in London. When was that? A few months ago. Oh, and uh, Nikos <laughs> mentioned to me that like I have to read this book by uh, David Goggins. And then he said, and you also have to read this book. What was the other one? Uh, Living with a Seal, which is like this guy who he, he's a businessman, Jesse Eitzler, I think his name is, and um, who lives with David Goggins for a month, uh, invites him into his house, doesn't even warn his wife and basically says, like, tear me apart for a month. And uh, I finally got around to doing it. And my first reaction was, well, he's just obsessed with this idea that you need to suffer. You need to suffer. But then as I continued to listen to it, I was really shocked to realize that he was actually talking about free will. And that is, how do you use your free will to stay focused on your values and your long range values in the face of enormous obstacles? And I found that really uh, inspiring. I found a lot of insight. Um, that I hadn't thought about before into free will. It's certainly helpful to me now that uh, he's very focused. Like he does these super ultra marathons of like a hundred miles more is what he's famous for. And uh, so it's certainly been helpful to me as I've kind of tried to reinvigorate my workout routines. But um, even I, I had to, for my son's boy scouts, I got assigned to run a class and the assignment involved, go get a police officer or somebody like that to speak to us. And I was like, I didn't, I, I am, have pretty high social anxiety, do not feel comfortable walking into a police station saying, hey, do me a favor, guys. 
but I was listening to Goggins. I was like, all right, I'm going to get my 20 seconds of confidence walked in there. And uh, hopefully I will be seeing a, um, having a cop come in and talk to my uh, kid and his, what do they call it? Group mates, classmates, whatever this evening. But in any case, I thought it'd be a good fun episode to sit and talk about kind of the best and worst of self-help and, before we get to that, though, just Nico's, I want to throw it to you since you're the one who came up with this really great recommendation. Anything you wanted to say on how the idea struck you and what you got out of the books? So what first of all, I want to say, how did this discussion between me and you came up? Because the idea, my idea was, can you be my Goggins? So my idea was, can I come to you for 30 days and make me work 20 hours per day, but not on fitness, on, let's say, on the mind, on intellectual development, and I would help you with workout. So this is how the discussion started. And then I mentioned the Jesse Ilger and Goggins thing. And by the way, when Jesse Ilger wrote the book, Goggins was not yet famous, so he's mentioned only as the seal in the book. At the very last page, he's mentioned that, by the way, this guy is, uh, this guy is X. So what I find in this, uh, in, this, in this genre is that you don't use it as a strategy, self-help. So you could say it can go bad because quite often there's bad advice. For example, the usual advice, uh, do something which is bigger than yourself. Do something for the community. So which is not necessarily bad, but within a context, it can, be, it can make you think that, okay, my life needs to be a constant sacrifice for others. However, if you got the main premises, you can use self-help in a very good way as tactics. So philosophy is the strategy, but some good advice from here and there can be the tactics. So this is how I view it. And this is how I don't think there's been any time where I've consumed some inspiring self-development or however you want to call it, uh, content. And my day was not better. And my day was not slightly more productive. And after some point, it's not about the information because you do have the information. It's mostly about you reminding yourself why you find this exciting and why you like it. So this is the context that I find it useful. And to be honest with you, that's going to be my hot take. I cannot understand people who say, oh, there is a toxic positivity or a hustle culture, and this can be bad for you. If your life, particularly if your life is not good, I cannot see how it can become worse by consuming material who tells you get your things together and uh, there's a better way to go through life. All right. To our guest of honor, Daniel, your first take on the whole genre, the whole question uh, is Nico's completely crazy. Is he ignoring the poison that these people are pouring into the minds of our children? Uh, I don't know what hot take you expected me to have, Don, but uh, my hot take is uh, Nikos is right about everything. So you can just wrap it up with me and I can uh, sit back and drink some coffee or something and watch you guys sort it out. Um, but to put my own spin on it, I think that Nikos is right that most self-help, if, if you read it as prescriptive, it's pretty bad. Um, but if you read it as, as descriptive, i.e. what are the, as Nikos says, what are the tactics you can take out of this and insert your own prescriptions, i.e. from your own philosophy, then it can be pretty good. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind in particular that people should check out is the work of uh, Dr. John Demartini, who does something called a value determination exercise. And, and quite honestly, 
his his work in in figuring out what your actual values are is is phenomenal and he does no prescription at least in this particular work about what your values should be and so it's it's very helpful because i i think even as an objectivist who's been constantly reading about i should be pursuing my values i i had some lack of clarity in my adult life about my, what my values really were in fact uh what i was actually doing to pursue those values in fact so um as far as in so far as things are descriptive i think they're helpful and so far as they're <laughs> dance like no one's watching or yes you should have a purpose higher than yourself or something like that uh, there that that's that's the bunk that's poisoning our children's mind it's done so there you go mark have you dipped into the genre at all yourself i dipped into the genre in the early 90s i think i think it had a there was a cresting wave in the early 90s with the john bradshaw movement and and the uh al-anon code and also CODA, Codependence Anonymous movement that sort of hit its peak in the early 90s where people were suffering psychically. They just didn't know what was the cause of it. And they turned to these various pieces of material for answers. And um, I don't remember much from the John Bradshaw stuff. He wrote a book, I think, called Healing the Shame That Binds You. But the important thing that I remember taking from that is um, that, that people, and, and I think this is where people think positivity is toxic because oftentimes that can be a form of denial where you deny some of these early injuries in your life that have scarred over and become actual obstacles, psychic obstacles to you achieving what you want. And until you acknowledge what they are and, and experience the grief of what those inju early injustices meant, it's hard for you to move on to the next level. Alice Miller was great with that. She wrote a book called, um, the drama of the gifted child that was all about um, child abuse um, on various levels uh, and, and how, I mean, I think children are extremely resilient, of course, but they do have these uh, some, some overt uh, are, some are victims of overt abuse and some less overt abuse uh, and that, and not understanding what that those early interactions with parents meant causes a lot of neurosis. It creates neurosis and until they're able to acknowledge it and come to terms with it, they can't really move on to the next level. I found the self-help movement very good in that respect. I don't know if I'm saying the same thing Daniel is, but um, uh, maybe you can tell me if I am or not. Yeah, I mean, I think a common theme is like if you come into it with a good framework, <clears throat> it's very additive. And if you're relying on it for your framework, it can be very bad. Now, I think there is kind of like a little corner of self-help that's been very successful that I would say probably is like genuinely toxic and dangerous and that there's nothing good to be gotten there from. And so I think of something like the secret, you know, oh, the yeah. idea that like, oh, if you just wish for it and want it enough, it'll fall in your lap or even like the real new age stuff. Now, I haven't read this stuff, so maybe it's just filled with gems that I don't know about, but like Eckhart Tolle or um, I've, read, I've read Eckhart. I've read Eckhart. OK, so I'm again, I haven't read him. This is just my impressions based on reading a back cover, maybe. Um, so I do think there's some bad, there's some bad stuff, but I think, yeah, like at the tactical level, um, I mean, this is one of my frustrations actually with somebody who has one of the better frameworks in self-help, but is not very tactically useful in my opinion. And that's Brandon. So I think Nathaniel Brandon is really excellent at taking more or less objectivist ideas and putting them in a format that people <coughs> who can't, who find it too complicated to get from Rand, they're not interested in a whole proof. 
they want it to be very tied to life. He has a lot of really good examples that he uses. But in terms of actual like practical advice, I personally have found it wanting. I mean, his, he basically ha- he has a book on how to raise your self-esteem, which you think that's a pretty important book for somebody whose whole career is about self-esteem. And basically it's do this sentence completion exercise where you just complete a whole bunch of sentence stems, which maybe that works for some people. I'm sure it does. For me, I found it completely and totally useless. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but you know, Nathaniel Brandon, this is all about tangents. So, okay, good. So this is, this is perfect because Nathaniel was my therapist for like almost a year. And I did find some value to the sentence completion work. I think if you're just looking at it from the book and you get the book and you just, you're like, what the hell does all of this mean? It, it, it does force you to come to terms with things that are bubbling around in your subconscious that you're not giving permission to come up, you know, and, and it is an interesting technique for allowing that stuff to come up and then becoming aware of it. And I think once you're aware of it, you could do something about it. Amanda, what, what, uh, what has your, been your experience wading into these waters? Yeah. So I actually, my podcast is listed in the self-help uh, category, which is, that's crazy. I can't believe that that actually happened. Right. But um, so self, I mean, I think, it's kind of the most important thing, right? Is how are you going to be able to, to help yourself? You're the person that's always around and you're the one that needs to, to motivate yourself to do, to do better, to, to get the things that you want out of life and to figure things out. So in, in one way it is the most, it's like, it's really, really important. Um, and, and that's why, I don't know, that's why I, I'm enjoying it, what I'm doing now. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out myself what it is that I want. It's the hardest question ever. And hopefully helping other people to figure those, that question out as well. I found two things in, in the self-help category um, to the extent that I've, you know, gotten into it. One is like, I love people like Gary V, Gary V. Um, I love listening to him and I don't know that his advice always like applies to me, but it's motivational. It's like, I just like seeing someone who's like going out kicking ass and like he's got the receipts for it and he's he's showing me what he's what he's doing how he how he does it how he thinks about the world um i love watching him and i get inspiration from him and then i've also listened to someone like tony robbins and that guy scares the crap out of me um because it seems like it's <laughs> i mean i can see what it's uh you know, how it draws people in. It's like pseudoscience, right? Yeah. Um, and you think, how could someone get drawn into pseudoscience? It's like, no, but it's called pseudoscience for a reason. It's because it's right next to science, right? It's almost like science it has all the trappings of, of science. And so he's good at motivating people and getting them excited and, and asking them, you know, tapping into sort of the deep questions that people have about their lives. Um, but when you listen to him, it's like, there's nothing there. And I wonder, I don't know, just makes me think that people are vulnerable to, to something like that, where they're, um, you know, they're, they're ripe to be, you know, taken advantage, taken advantage of. And I think probably there's some pretty evil people in the self-help genre. Um, well, that's why one category of question that I'm curious for all of your input on. So there, even if we agree that, look, you can get gems out of all these people there's still a whole category of stuff that annoys me in the field. And I mean, Tony Robbins is uh, like, I have very negative uh, view of him in many ways. And part of the negativity is the way in which it's like, 
hey guys, I'm here to help you. And then I have a sales structure meant to pressure you into spending tens of thousands of dollars on my stuff. And hey, look, I love the profit motive. But when your whole business model is, hey, I'm going to help vulnerable people. And the way I'm going to help them is get them to spend $10,000 to have some random guy who went through my coaching uh, program for two weeks, like to yell at them and tell them, hey, like improve your life. Um, I find that just dirty. Or even somebody I have more respect for, Tim Ferriss, like Tim Ferriss has a lot of interesting ideas, but then he makes these insane claims that I just I'm I I am ready to say are outright BS. So like I lost 20 pounds of fat in four weeks eating beans and meat and stuff, or I gained thir- th- th- I think it's I gained. Let me check this because I don't want to get this wrong. Because but it's the most insane claim. Um, here we go. Yeah, I gained 34 pounds of muscle in four weeks. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that is physically impossible. Um, Certainly if your answer is not by stabbing steroids in my thigh every five minutes. So there's these people who like I have gems and things I found valuable, but it's often wrapped in all of these things. I find mind blowingly annoying. Question question here. Actually, let's hear from Raka because I remember Raka also had the view on Tony Robbins and then I'll, I'll jump in. I, I only kind of remember hearing some of Tony Robbins in passing and thought he was very positive and, and nice, but that very limited uh, exposure to him. And he was he was great in the movie Shallow Hal, but also they're kind of kind of a mystic. He, he casts a spell on uh, Jack Black. Anyway, check out that movie if you want. But uh, uh, but a lot of these uh, charlatans, as we can call a lot of them, they do tap into something real. So, I mean, like pseudoscience, it, it kind of gets close to what science is. And a lot of these, um, you know, self-help sort of phonies, some of them might actually enter the field with the best of intentions, I suppose. But uh, sim- they remind similar to multi-level marketing, you know, a lot of that stuff. They they speak about the American dream and capitalism and entrepreneurship. So they are speaking to something that is very real and very, you know, that means a lot to people that people want. But then All you have to do that, is sell these supplements. Yeah, the way they're going to actually help you get that piece of the pie, so to speak, is a complete, often a complete sham. So yeah, they, they do kind of tap into something real a lot of the time. And even, even in some cases, let's say you actually have a good message and let's say it blows up on YouTube, for instance. You know, you're like a self-help kind of guy. You, you, come, you, you blow up, but now you're, okay, okay, now I need a way to sustain this. So, you know, every week I'll come up with a new clickbait title and a new th- and a thumbnail. And uh, I'll just kind of like rehash the same point over and over again. And I'll get them to sign up for this workshop. You, you, people can get kind of greedy, even if they had good intentions in the first place, I suppose. So those are my thoughts. Okay, two, two things. First, do we all agree that if you take someone again, particularly someone whose life goes nowhere, who is at the bottom of the pit, imagine a Joker in the latest Joker film, and you give him uh, Unleash the Power by Tony Robbins, the audiobook, let's say, and you tell him, look, you do 50, not 50, 20% of these things, you have to do them within a month. Is there any doubt that his life is going to be much, much better? 20%, not 100%. That's a second hot take, even with Eckhart Tolle, even with Eckhart Tolle, who is, you know, the mysticism is at the level where I couldn't get the, finish the book. There was a period in my life in a very particular situation that this book happened to fall in my hands and I found one or two important things there. Within the context of, I was completely insomniac. 
I had, I had kind of hyperactivity in my mind. Some of that stuff worked for me. So again, it's highly unlikely that you find particular pieces of information which is actually bad information. So this is why I'm very, I'm, I'm going to be the most defensive of the so-called industry. And the other point, since Amanda is here, the, the, the biggest value that I've gotten from anything self-help related is a, a course I did with Tal and Amanda. And the point of that is that you have to be consistent. Self, you should see self-development or however you want to call it as exercise, as your workout routine. You don't do push-ups one day and then you're like, I'm going to do push-ups again after 25 days. No, you have to do particular things on particular days. So you have like a training split. <laughs> so I really encourage people, Amanda, I assume the, the thing is public, right? It's not like a secret. The, the happiness <laughs> thing. It's not a secret. Yeah. You can go to my, it's my happiness dot team. Yeah. And it's not a secret that you're involved with it. No, no, it's not a secret. Oh, okay. I mean, even if it was now, it's not breaking news. I'm trying to make people happy. I mean, but, I, but what I'm I, saying I, is that because it's systematic and because it's with people I trust and because I put the work, it helped me take the most difficult decision in my life, which was to give up academia and work full time in objectivism. And by the way, probably today is my last daily objective from the UK. So, A, thank you for helping me. B, this structured thing that you don't just listen to something and you feel good for five minutes, but you go and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do 20%. There's, it's very, very difficult that your life is not going to get significantly improved. Well, that leads to something I, I definitely, I'm glad you raised that Nikos, because one of the things I've believed for a long time is that, so it, you can put it negatively. A lot of people get their philosophy from self-help. They get their framework and like, that's, almost always a mistake but as uh, as nikos argued it could be way better than what they started with and probably for most people is way better than what they started with um but from my perspective as somebody who actually believes in a philosophy i don't think you can sell a philosophy without it being translated at the self-help level that is having kind of the tactical implementation side and explained in a way that is um much more easy for the person who's just trying to like Hey, have a better business life, have a better marriage. Who's not like, I want to read Plato, Aristotle and Ayn Rand, like something that they can digest, which is why I mentioned Brandon. So Daniel, I'm curious as somebody who thinks a lot about kind of the selling of ideas, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Like, what can we learn about spreading ideas from these people who've been ultra successful selling ideas? Yeah, Don, I think you're exactly right. I mean, one of the, the, the things that I, uncovered as a, as a personal anecdote here is that even though I'm I'm an objectivist and I'm I'm fully in it I still struggled with questions about values questions about what my values are how to achieve my values what my values should be and it's not evident certainly and I don't think that was Ayn Rand's point from from reading the philosophy that you would know how to how to do that how to go about finding what your values are and what they should be so I do think that I think um, our friend uh, Adam Edmondson uh, sort of pulled this out explicitly in a conversation we had where he said essentially that the, the, the philosophy is fantastic at identifying the virtues and the values that can lead to a flourishing life, but not particularly great at helping you understand how to be virtuous in order to achieve particular values. 
And so there, I do think that that some work is is probably needed. Um, and maybe we should learn from the self-help genre in, in how to do that. To to address uh, your, your question, Nikos, is maybe throwing a question back at you, which is, do you think it's 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 something in particular about self-help or about your example, Tony Robbins, or do you think that their life would be better simply because they've agreed to focus in some way on making their life better? Meaning they've agreed to just generally speaking, think about things like productivity or, or whatever it is. Um, so I, and I'm curious if, if there's something in particular about self-help or something in particular about Tony Robbins that you're trying to draw out. Yeah, so there are two ways of seeing this. One is that Tommy Ro- Tony Robbins, may, all this is very mainstream. Mm-hmm. But you could see it also from the opposite. All this is very non-mainstream in terms of how many people are actually consciously doing things for themselves. So there's something very, very individualist in self-development. And I don't yeah. want to dunk again on, uh, I don't know, TV series like Friends or whatever, but my generation grew up seeing this sitcoms and they're like oh the good life is you relax uh, by the couch with beer and you watch football okay that's cool sometimes but that's not what life is all about and life can be something way more than that but the amount of people who have this as the final horizon or that the essence of masculinity is that you drink beer no idea where this came from but it so this is a completely different world where again even if you tip your toes in this, your life is probably going to be much better from what it would be otherwise. And again, the the untapped potential is a big tragedy, I think, in so many people, first of all, in ourselves, or at least in myself. So that's why I'm so fanatical almost in favor, in favor of it, because it sounds all mainstream and all that stuff, but in essence, it's so radical and it's so countercultural that it's something that uh, it's it's not it's very very close to the ideas that we hold dear and the values that we hold dear. Well, yeah, let me just I, give one. Ex- go ahead, Mark. Well, I was just wanted to say I, I wanted to jump on that to answer Daniel's question. I think it's if, if, the reasons it's somewhat successful is, is for for what Don and Nikos have said. It's structure and a kind of philosophy. It's a sort of integrated view of existence, and it gives them a sort of guidelines as to how to act on that integrated view of existence. I had a friend who was an alcoholic, was trying to drink himself to death. I encouraged him to, I walked into his house one day, he had bottles all over the place. He was trying to drink himself to death. I said, you should go to AA. He says, I I don't believe in God. I said, well, atheism isn't working for you. And he went to AA and cleaned himself up for five years, probably the best five years of his life. Not because AA, AA is right or true, but because it gave him 12 steps to work on and, and presented a kind of philosophy that, that stood in for the vacuum, the chaos that was his life before and gave him some guidelines and some principles to act on every single day. And I thought that's why those five years of his life were probably the most important and productive that he ever had. Yeah, I mean, one thing I find very interesting is that people in the self-help genre can treat as obviously true things that intellectuals have to like spend pages and pages and bend over backwards to prove. And we're always on the defensive. So like, you know, as an intellectual, you want to say like you're responsible for improving your life. 
my God, you have to like address all of these things. Like, well, what about luck? And don't we have these kind of social obligate? If you're David Goggins, you say like, nobody's going to come save you. Get up and do it. You can do it. It's your job. And and it's the power of a story and kind of the, the it, there's a, and I think it goes to Nikos's point is that there's certain kind of, uh, if not universal, um, there's certain values sort of embedded in the very genre. The idea that you should, that success is good, that you as an individual should be trying to make yourself happy, should be trying to lead a better life. And the idea that it's in your power to do something to achieve that goal. So that there, it's not a completely agnostic genre. Um, it is, it, it, I think it has certain kinds of assumptions that are better than much of what the mainstream feeds you. And I think that is why, you know, Nikos is saying something a little bit more than what Daniel was indicating. I think, I think it's true that if you think more about your life period, you're going to do better, but I think it also imports a few kind of basic ideas that are really valuable and that are under attack in the culture on the more intellectual side, but that when it's presented as common sense, most people, at least in an American context or, you know, kind of Western context will go, yeah, of course, like that's common sense. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something with my life. I think there's a, there's reason to think that the self-help movement came about uh, in part, thanks to Ayn Rand and definitely Nathaniel Brandon being kind of a part of that as well. But um and, and that, you know, even the, the bad elements of the self-help movement maybe wouldn't be here, but for the influence of Ayn Rand in this. And, and also I pointed out, like, maybe a lot of the conspiracy theory theorists out there and, and a lot of those people, a lot of them wouldn't surprise me if they've read Atlas Shrugged and would cite that as an influence on them. So I think everywhere we look, we see a lot of kind of half-baked understandings of like Rand's work and, and, and like people sort of... Um, trying to kind of have their influence in a certain way that I, you know, I, I see as a very misguided application or very misguided um, way of kind of uh, carrying that influence. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, I, I think I, I find myself, I tend to think like there's like, there's like the timeline we're living in and then there's Ayn Rand over here. So how can we bring Ayn Rand into the timeline? There's a good chance. I think there's reason to think Ayn Rand has already had a lot of influence already and but like as you as you kind of should expect, a lot of people they very much misread uh, Rand in the same way as maybe if you look at the history of Aristotle's influence on the world, a lot of people used him as a religious type of uh, in, you know thinker and used his logic detached from from the inductive process and all of that. So, well, I mean, I probably told this story somewhere on ARC UK, but I mean the way I discovered Ayn Rand was through this guy who was like a leading self-help dude in the 70s and 80s, Robert Ringer. And Robert Ringer had been really influenced by Ayn Rand. And he talked about rational selfishness and capitalism and you know being reality-oriented and following reason. Now, it was mixed with like a whole bunch of you know ridiculous stuff that uh, uh, ultimately when I found Ayn Rand, I said, oh, this is way better. But yeah, certainly, you know, that was somebody who was super influential and famous for, you know, a decade and a half and influenced a lot of people, you know, later in the self-help genre. And so I think that definitely goes to your point, Rucka, that, uh, you know, her awareness of her is way more profound than we sometimes think. I mean, I just remember, what was I reading a few months ago? Um, I mean, if you think about Brandon's influence, like that pops up everywhere. 
And I mean, that's all rooted in her. I mean, he's had a super profound impact in the self-help movement and um, the, and, and everything that's kind of like radiated out of that. Hey, Don, do you know if Stephen Covey was influenced by Rand? I don't know. I mean, he was a Mormon, right? So probably not that much. Um, but he, he, he's another good person. I mean, he, I think, brought... Um, because, you know, there's different elements of like the self-help genre, but the more business side of it often I think is the even better side of it because it's really concentrated around an even more identifiable, measurable goal of like, can you create a successful business or like achieve more career success? And indeed, I'd say like my favorite people in the genre tend to congregate around that set of issues. So for me, Robert Green, um, who did a book called Mastery, which I think is an all-time classic. Uh, who's, I'm going to go blank on his name. Um, Cal Newport has done just really cool work on career building and what it means, to, like what's involved in actually being a creative thinker and creating value. And then I is just he discovered- the work without distractions guy. Yeah, he did deep work, but deep he, work. he did it. He did an earlier book called So Good They Can't Ignore You, which- I, that had always been my, like, if you go back and look at old tapes of me at ARI and people would ask for, how do I, you know, achieve things or become successful or gain an audience? And I would just quote Steve Martin, who was like, be so good. They can't ignore you. And to this day, I still think most of the advice that people need is like, not like, what's my special marketing tactic or something. It's like, no, you're not good enough. <laughs> Get good. And then you'll have, you know, success. You'll have an audience. But I just read, this is, um, by a guy named Ron Friedman, Decoding Greatness. And uh, I'd add him to my, make him part of my trifecta of career success people because um, they're all focused on the same issue, which is how do you become a real creative thinker, somebody who can create value with your mind? And that, that's so really you hard. Mentioned, actually, uh, producers behind the scene, it would be good to create show notes for this. So Don suggested mastery, uh, so good they can't ignore you. And what was the third again? Decoding greatness. Decoding greatness. Okay, let's put it on the show notes in terms so that people can find it easy. And I, I would say it would be a good idea if people would go around giving their top three suggestions, let's say. I got to come up with three. Okay, um, Do the best two. you can. Do the best. Well, how about a quick super chat? Uh, break while we think about what we're going to recommend. Robert with $6 says an avalanche of talent, $6 equals $1 per host. Who else got $6? Bring it on. And what's your favorite self-help book? Well, it's like he read our mind or we read his, or we read his words rather. Jonathan with $3.99. Thank you for that. Uh, Mary Lean with $5 says Gene Maroney at thinkingdirections.com has the best all around self-improvement system that I know of. Uh, maybe if you guys are familiar with that, obviously we're all familiar with who that is, but if you're familiar with her self-help program, um, let's, uh, let's talk about that in a moment. Allison with $5. Yeah, well, let me just quickly yeah. say something on that. So I think what Tal is doing, what Gene are doing are right in line with what I've been talking about, about making objectivist ideas more tactical. And I, and so I've been really impressed with, with both of uh, them and I'm, going to happily steal stuff when I publish my book uh, on the objectivist ethics. Allison with $5 says, Daniel, what book would you recommend for someone who has never read a self-help book in their life, AKA me? But I think we're all about to recommend a book in a minute. So um, 
it's like everyone knew this was coming. Marilene with $20. The super chat queen strikes again. And finally, we've got Tazy with 449 pounds saying, seen nine perfect strangers. That's the name of it. That's a perfect example of self-help gone too far. All right. And those are the super chats. Anyone seen that? I, it sounds familiar. Oh, it was on Hulu. So it's, it can't be familiar. <laughs> I have Hulu, but I never remember to open it. Um, if, yeah, if there's something particular, is that, is that an implicit recommendation or an implicit warning? I guess it's an implicit warning. Or it's a recommendation for the warning, which is a show or a movie. Um, but uh, so I guess uh, I guess a number of people asked and we we teased this uh, recommendations for self-help books. Is that right? Self-help books or gurus or in some way self-help. Is that yeah, I don't that right? I don't think I don't think we're going to hold ourselves to a too high a standard. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you think will bring value to the audience. Yeah. Uh, well, Rucka, you've uh, been busy reading off them so we won't make you go first let's uh let's throw it to amanda to get us started all right i'll go first so um jean maroney awesome i'm taking her um her thinking i'm in the thinking lab right now and she has real practical advice um how to to solve problems like how to troubleshoot yourself how to gain motivation um very yeah just clear and tons and tons of work that she's done. There's just a lot of things in, in her, yeah, on her website and in her archives. So I highly recommend um, Jean Maroney. And um, so <laughs> I would recommend my own podcast, Happiest Man Alive, because I am, I mean, I'm new to the self-help genre, but I'm like, I'm trying to make sure that we're doing it. So I'm working with Tal Safani He's the alleged happiest man alive. And we're trying to, to make it so that, I don't know, trying to go through it uh, where it's scientific, where it's not, we're not going to put in any, any of the bullshit that you hear other places, right? Where I want it to be real and I want it to be useful and I'm starting out on myself. So it's, it really is self-help for me. Um, I'm trying to figure out and, and, you know, making that explicit in my podcast and talking about it. Um, and the third thing I'll recommend is Gary, Gary V. Um, you can find him on anywhere like TikTok or whatever. Um, just love him. I love listening to him and and his. He's just he's someone who knows what he wants, goes after it. He's voracious about about life and his and his values. And it's a pleasure to yeah to to see what he what he what he talks about and where he goes next. Yeah, I like those suggestions. De- and definitely one thing about Amanda's podcast is it's like really story driven, right? So it's not just somebody like preaching at you. Here's 10 tips. There's a lot of practical stuff, but it's all told really well and in an interesting way. So I love what you're doing there. And then, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk was central. Like I started really getting into him when I went off and started working for myself and he was instrumental for motivation, for ideas of like, well, let me just give one concretization because this is really important. You guys have benefited, I hope, some people out there from all the content that I put out. My my original plan had been to go the route of, all right, put out a little bit of free content and then try to make a living by you know selling more high-priced stuff like coaching and courses and stuff. And after listening to Gary, I said, no, to hell with that. I'm just going to put out as much stuff as I can for the community. And I 
just have a belief that if it's really helpful and valuable, I'll some fi- somehow find a way to prosper. And like that could not have worked out better. And I owe that all, you know, to, to his advice at the right time. So love that. Mark, what about you? Um, well, I'd have to say Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a, a pretty good read, uh, a pretty good course for people to work on. And also, speaking of Nathaniel Brandon, I thought The Art of Living Consciously was, was a, a, a pretty good book to get people started on that road. Yeah, the other one of his that is um, one of my favorites. I mean, my favorite in terms of like, if, if you're thinking outside of self-help, this is first book on psychology, but it's, that's more theoretical. Um, but he did one that I'm forgetting the name of, but it's something about self-reliance. And I thought that one was the, the best way to make egoism and free and individualism sound common sense, uh, which I was really impressed with his ability to take the most controversial views and ethics and make it sound like, yeah, of course, this is how you should live. So that book always impressed me. Uh, and we can praise him because he's dead. All right, uh, Daniel. <laughs> well, I brought up John Demartini earlier. His book uh, called The Values Factor is is quite good, but in particular, the, the parts about value determination and the value determination method he uses, uh, quite cool. And then uh, I'll give a classic, uh, which no one has brought up so far. I'm curious, maybe this is heresy, what I'm about to say, but uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Carnegie is actually quite a good practical book as long as it's not the updated version called how to win friends and influence people in the digital age that book is garbage stay away from it it's awful and then i'll give one other warning which is sort of an anti-recommendation uh this is called the best and worst of self-help and i have a nominee for the worst of self-help which is a book called the untethered soul by michael singer which is a new york times number one best-selling book. Uh, the subtitle is The Journey Beyond Yourself. Um, and in many ways, I laughed at that being put in the self-help category. But uh, it's uh, the central premise of the book is that you, in fact, are not your consciousness. You, in fact, are the thing observing your consciousness. So let go <laughs> of, of, of all emotion and all wants and desires and needs. And um, it might have been you, Don, who I was talking with this about, but someone made the observation <clears throat> that well, it's not the you that's observing your consciousness. It's the you that's observing the you that's observing the consciousness. And it turns out it's turtles all the way down. So stay away from the untethered soul. All right, Nico. So your job is to read that book and find value in it. Um, what, are, <laughs> what, what are your suggestions? So suggestion number one would be uh, Joko Willing's Extreme Ownership. We also had the workshop with Ayn Rand Center UK members specifically because I can think of very specific examples in my life which made me better. Not the first time that I read it, even more the second. So it made me a better colleague and it made me a better friend in some way. So when I was reading it, I was in a a fallout with a friend and uh, I re-examined it through the prism of the book and it was very good. And also I created with the one of our members behind the screen, behind the screens, a very nice companion to it. So if you're a new member and you haven't seen it yet, ask Razi for the companion. The second recommendation <coughs> is a guy called Tim Grover. He was the personal trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And he has two books. The one is called Relentless. The other is called Winning. 
Now, if you've seen this meme with the bell curve, which is like someone who is completely stupid, someone who is mainstream and someone who is super clever and the stupid with the super clever have the same view, that's this book. Like I found this book great, but it's very, very easy to find this book like a motivation porn. But even if it's motivation porn, I think it's very, very, it has, if you take it seriously, it can be very, very good. And the third would be Goggins. Start with Living with a Seal by Jesse Ilger as a fun book. This is a fun book that you can read mm-hmm. in one day, but it's still fun and motivating. And then go read uh, the Can't Hurt Me book. This is the one book besides Atlas Rugs and The Foundinger, which I listen as audible once every, every year. I like it that much. But none of these had had the effect in my life that the happiness team with Amanda and Tal had. And particularly to make it concrete, one exercise that they made me do it, which was called something like the perfect day. So you have to put in a, pay, in a, in a piece of paper your perfect day from early in the morning till you go to bed. And this was what made the decision very clear in my mind that I want to relocate to Greece and I want to go full time in objectivist. And at some point, we were at a very, very stressed about this decision. I went back to this and I was almost, uh, I was very moved. I was almost emotional. So if people, Amanda, I see you have the, the workbook. Uh, the workbook, the workbook yeah. Out, yeah. Right. So in terms of recommendations, it's the one I gave. But in terms of a particular course that you can take, uh, reach out to Amanda or Tal if they can, if you can get in the happiness team. It's going to be something that, uh, if, particularly if you take it seriously, it can really change your life. Particularly if you have some idea what direction you want to go, it's going to give you a, a great boost. One thing about Jocko, this is also true of Goggins. I mean, they were both Navy SEALs, but there's, a, an, abil- there's an authority of story or an authority of like... Um, the the part of the reason that they don't have to sit there and get like get put in the defensive with arguments is because of the authority of the story it's like no like i put my ideas to the test i've lived them i've done insane things that like you guys can't and it's the same way as if you know if you like if steve jobs writes a book on succeeding in business like there's a kind of weight and authority to that. And so there's a way in which I think ultimately the best um, public advocates for objectivism will not be objectivist intellectuals. I think objectivist intellectuals will mostly be helping improve the quality of ideas of people who've achieved something that's objectively valuable in the culture and then come out and say, this is how I did it. You know, so that kind of like self-help person, I think ultimately will probably be somebody with a, a, impressive story who's demonstrated in action these ideas really count these ideas really work these ideas are really powerful which is a little deflating for me because i have not done anything objectively successful uh in my career but um yes you're the best communicator in the objectivist uh, universe and this says a lot the competition is high yeah well thank you and uh yeah i'll I'll make do but maybe if i can just uh I'll, i'll go to one of those um Navy SEAL boot camps for civilians, and uh, that, that'll be part of my story. But All right, here's Rucker. an important thing, though. Here's a clarification. Both Goggins and Joko Willink, they don't motivate me to go run and do pull-ups, although partly it's also this. You can, it's, you can see it as a green screen, and you can do it in your own area. It can be reading, writing, whatever. So that's why I say it's mostly tactics rather than one strategy. But even the tactics... 
is how to approach your own craft. So that's, that's why I like it. So that's why you can take a book by Navy SEAL and fix a relationship you have with a friend, for example, because it's very good advice, can be applied in more than one area. Yeah, totally. All right, Rocket, it falls to you to cap mm. us off. All right. So I'm reminded, uh, I think this is a pretty good cap. Uh, Dave Rubin used to tell a story a lot of like the first time he interviewed Yaron Brook, like as soon as the interview was over, he turned to his team and said, we're leaving the network, uh, the Larry King network we're working for, and I'm starting my own thing. Who's with me? And they all went with him, and, you know, he went on to become very successful. So there, I mean, there's an example of uh, the influence of Ayn Rand is in places we would never even assume. And even if the influence results in someone doing something that has nothing to do with Ayn Rand's philosophy, but nonetheless, we can see, uh, the influence. So I would recommend Yaron Brook. Uh, he's been doing, uh, Rules for Living, is it called? Or yeah, something like that. Yaron's Rules. Yeah. Anyway. And for the very low donation of $30,000 or more, you can guarantee that that gets turned into a book. In all likelihood, written by uh, the by Don Watkins. Is that a fair? Uh... Yeah, we, it's a project we want to work together if the, if the pieces all come together. Yes, please. Uh, let's make that happen. So, I mean, so there's, I mean, there's motivation. Uh, I've read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I was uh, pretty young, there's probably a lot wrong in there, a lot of fault, you know, false dichotomies and all that BS. But I remember feeling uh, coming up with a very positive view of entrepreneurship and business and all of that. So there's a there's something that kind of falls in in the genre. And uh, yeah, I think that how to influence people. What is that book? How to win friends, make friends and influence people is something I've always wanted to read. So I'm going to I'm going to re-add it to my list now. It seems like the type of book that Danny Tanner read because and of, once uh, you read it ask Razi for the recording of the workshop we did i've also created a companion only for members for this uh, for this book a good companion with many pages examples from real life examples from mine runs novels and that kind of stuff i think have you guys ever read mark manson which one the subtle art of not giving a fuck I heard of it. I've, I've read his previous one, Models, which you could, it sounds like it's pickup artistry book, but it's not. It's, uh, it's more like general self-development. It's not models like how to win, how to pick up models. It's like models that you should base your life on. But but what it, do you it's think about the, not, the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck? I, I, I read it a few years ago, but I, I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. I think there's something to it, like the old samurai maxim of fight as if you're already dead. Is sort of is can be a very motivating thing. It's, you cast aside worry and concern about what other people think and sort of pursue your vision. I also think that reading great coaches is probably good. If you could read the philosophies of Vince Lombardi and, and people like that. Uh, John Wooden. John Wooden, I was just going to say him. Great, great, great stuff there for anybody who wants to, you know, find a map for how to be, you know, much more productive in their lives. What were you going to say, Don? Sorry, I cut you off. Well, I was just going to say to Nikos's point, I thought it was interesting that none of it, well, I guess, Daniel, you're the partial exception here with win friends and influence people. Um, but none of us focused on kind of the relationship self-help advice uh, genre, which is, I, I think, a interesting genre. In part, I guess I just haven't explored it enough. Um, I have something for that. Go for it. Okay, but I can't remember the guy's name, so somebody can help me with the name. He, he wrote Love Languages. Gottman. Is that his name, Gottman? I think it might be. Anyway, that book is, I thought, tremendous. And that book can really improve your relationship with your significant other. When you find that you speak 
different love languages and you figure out the love language of your, your mate and you're able to speak to each other in those terms, it's pretty fantastic. And there's tests that you take to figure that stuff out in the book and you can practice with your partner to see if it works out. And you know what? You'll find that it does. Well, awesome, guys. This is really fun. I hope that all our uh, listeners enjoyed it. Any final super chats that we should know about before we call it a day? Yes. Rat Lover with two pounds says, I think the virtue of selfishness is my favorite. Well, there's nice, even if the word favorite has a U in there that I don't think is supposed to be there. (laughs) Philosophy is very, is huge, but it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people or maybe impossible to really concretize that without art and real life people that are kind of embodying it and showing what that looks like. Marilene with $5 says, I heart Amanda's podcast. Now that that's an endorsement. I heart my own podcast too. Thank you, Marilene. Oh, oh, wait, wait, before you finish those, I just want to say it's the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Okay, thank you. you Yeah, Gottman uh, is another relationship advice expert who's uh, really excellent. But yeah, it's a different, different, uh, different person. Did you find out your language, Mark? Did you take a test in in the book or something? Yes, I did. Do you remember what it was or do you not (laughs) want to share? Um, Yes, I do remember. Okay. Um, Roland with 499 euros says, I read Dale Carnegie as a kid and really took his idea about how everyone primarily cares about himself to heart. Winky face. <coughs> and Marilyn with $2 says Gary Chapman. All right. Um, By the way, it's not a coin or it's interesting how many good pickup artists become very good self so at some point they leave behind the pickup artistry because it's like politically incorrect, but they become very good communication coaches or this type of stuff. So even you, even in these weird areas, you can find some really good stuff, particularly when it comes to how to talk to people and like public speaking and communication advice. But I cannot elaborate because Raz is going to uh, blacklist me. How it's called? Denounce well, me and all that. Black no, ball. no, I, I, I will elaborate with one example. So there's this guy, Evan Pagan, who is a really excellent um, kind of synthesizer of advice on business. And but before that, the business that he started where he learned all of this was a business called Double Your Dating, where he, under, he did it under the pen name of David D'Angelo. Um, was he and, the cocky funny guy? Yeah. And uh, and, you know, basically realized, all right. I want to kind of get away from this world as quickly as I can. And then, uh, you know, went on to do just a lot of really good um, general self-help stuff. He, he had like a productivity course that I took once that was um, really excellent and like no mind blowing advice, but just a few really decent tips that I found useful. Um, So yeah, there's some people who've kind of escaped that world uh, and, and done some really interesting stuff. That is true. Iraq, my love language is acts of service, by the way. Acts Mine of too. service? Yes. Oh, you know this, Don? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Acts of service is mine. So if my if I got up in the morning, my wife made the bed, I would feel loved. Mm. Do you remember the other? Yeah, I, there's gifts. There's words of affirmation. Uh, do you remember all of them? Do you remember the other Touching two, Touching or something physical. Touching. 
That's yeah, yeah. Opinion. Physical, physical All touch. Right. Yes, yes. And that's what one. I'm into. That's what I'm into. I like being, you know, that's my way of uh, being, being, feeling that I'm, I'm loved. But I think, um, <laughs> I think words go a long way too. So sure. So I'm sure. not sure which one I would be. All right. Anyone else want to share <laughs> your, uh, your love language before we wrap it up? I haven't taken the test, so but I'm pretty sure the touching is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Touching, I haven't read that. Touching's good. Unless you're a... Mark and making the bed is. No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, Robert with two dollars says, "Pro tip: marry well." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All Speaking right. of marry well, Daniel, you were going to say something. Oh yes, thank you, Don. Uh, I, I've said I haven't read the the Love Languages book, but I've read Seduction by Robert Greene, who goes through profiles of uh, love lives, basically, and. I'm definitely categorized as the professor type. Um, no, yeah. I thought you were what? the rake. Yeah. And so I, I married a siren for that reason. So you guys did the AINTJ test. Uh, I'm uh, I forget what it's called, but I'm the same category as supposedly as Nietzsche and Ayn Rand after taking the test online. Do you know most objectivists, about? or I don't know if most, a shocking I mean, number of objectivists are one of the rarest categories, which is INTJ, which is what I am. What is that? What is INTJ? What is that? It's the and Myers Briggs. link in our WhatsApp group. Oh, right. Oh. INTJ is the category. I thought it was like the name of the test, but yes. Okay. So we're the same then, Don. We are the same. We I've are always one. said that. What, is, wait, what does that, that category stand for? What, is that, what does that mean? It's if It would take a long time to explain those, yeah. and they're not really conceptualize very well um but if you read like the description of the personality traits like a lot of it would resonate for most people after they they take the test uh, the thing is you don't really have to take the test you just read the descriptions you can go oh yeah that's me uh, oh, so okay. the, t- the tests are kind of beside think, the point i think i'm intp it's very close mm. yeah, well we're like right. neighbors yeah. It's, it's not as good as Jay, though. Let's, okay. okay. <laughs> Jim Carrey is the same, is the one with the J. I mean, need I say any more? All right. Uh, coming up today, there's no, no episode of Enjoy Parenting, but it should be back next week. Then at 8 p.m. UK time today is Communication Boot Camp for members only with Don Watkins. Uh, then at 10 p.m. UK time today, it's Life on Earth with Robert and Amy Naser. So that's coming up today. Uh, no clubhouse, I assume, unless <laughs> in the next 90 seconds. So, all right, no clubhouse today. Uh, see you all in uh, boot camp or see you uh, tomorrow and later on. Thanks, everybody. Uh, yeah, and thanks. special thanks to our special guest, Daniel Richards. Everybody check out him and his uh, company and the work that they're doing. I think it's super exciting. And if you're particularly if you're part of like a pro-freedom organization, um, I think like if you really want to increase your impact, like he's the guy who actually knows how to do that. And uh, I know that there's a lot of people who their, their organizations would raise a lot more money and be a lot more effective uh, if they reached out. So that's my free advertising for Daniel. But yeah, thanks everybody. I uh, really love in the Thursday collective and look forward to talking next week. Thanks guys. All right.